Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the star line by one of the stars from season 21 of NBC's The Voice. His mom sang with Marvin Gaye. Now it's his turn to shine. We welcome our friend Jonathan Mouton. Hi, hi, hi. Thank you for having me, Sean. Jonathan, let's go beyond the mic. Music is obviously in your genes. Talk about the love of music that has been passed down from family, that love, that passion of music. Wow, that's that's a great way to put it. It is in my genes. It's in my DNA. You know, my mother, she was a background singer. As you mentioned, I grew up in a musical household. So my mom, being a baby boomer like my dad, when they married each other, classic love story of the late 80s, she wanted to settle down and have kids. She prayed for two kings, and that's what she got, me and my brother and I. Um, and But all the while, while she was raising us, she was... Um, coaching voices. She was working with labels. She was working with schools. She was working with churches. And so I grew up listening to the greats. I mean, when I tell you that at four and five years old, I thought that the music of Stevie Wonder and Marvin Gaye were, was the music that was currently on the charts in 1991, 1993. Like that's, that's for me where it began. How is your previous television? How is your previous television appearance on? I can see your voice helped your nerves and maybe giving you a leg up on other competitors. I mean, you were ready, but yet still nervous. You know, I'm not going to lie. Um, because of my past television experience and the fact that I feel like I've been groomed for this since uh, uh, being an infant, um, I thought I was going to be less nervous. <laughs> I thought I was ready for whatever could come my way, and I am. But um, the voice is a, is a horse of a whole different color. And it's a, it's a platform that I've been watching and admiring ever since it aired in 2011, the first season in the U.S. And so... Um, yeah, I think that it has me ready from a standpoint of approaching it from business and a platform and hitting my mark. And, but then there's the nerves because I love what I do and I'm passionate. So I allowed that process to be natural in me because I'm an artist and I want to grow. Why does music fill your soul? Music fills my soul because it is, um, it, it has, especially with everything that I've gone through in the last, you know, six, seven years, it has saved my life. Um, music is obviously universal and unifying um, on so many levels. But for me personally, um, you know, my, 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 I, I'm, a, I'm a student of the craft, but I love art and I love music. Um, I will love music even if I can't sing ever again in my life. Music's everything to me. Jonathan, how did the pandemic refocus you? No gigs, no recordings, just quarantine and heartache. You know, the pandemic, as an artist, and we are creative, you know, um, cerebral beings, we're, we're in our heads all the time. Um, <laughs> we're confined in our thoughts. So imagine being confined in an apartment. Um, it was um, very refocusing, but I got I to gotta admit something, and that's, the pandemic, just like every, you know, everything that has been, that's happened to me over the last few years that had, you know, someone may perceive as knocking me down, the pandemic really reshifted my focus as an artist without gigs, without the television opportunities, or, you know, it caused me to really focus on my craft as a songwriter, as a producer, um, as a, as a lyricist. And so I just, um, during the pandemic, you know, wrote some of the most incredible, in my opinion, my baby, uh, music of my life, um, from my personal journeys. And it just caused me to, to refocus my, 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 my sights on my artistry. 
If someone hasn't been to a musical as a performer, how much different is it from a regular concert? I mean, when you go to a musical, you're immersed in a show. You do, you do. And a musical um, is I, I love musicals. I, I, I'm a I'm a, a student and a fan of musical theater because that's where I got my start in middle school and high school when I really sharpened my craft. But it is much different from a concert. See, a concert is artistry to me. A musical or a play or stage production. Um, it's 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 lightning in a bottle and those greats that infused our artistry in whatever role that is scripted for them to play. But a musical is a little bit more performative in the sense of it's polished, it's presented. And in my opinion, a concert, depending on the artist and the genre, can be um, very vulnerable, very introspective and very beautiful. Jonathan, it's time for the Rocking 80. Random questions answered with the first thing that comes to your mind. There is no pressure. <laughs> I'm ready. What's one thing you can't do? Oh, 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 this is good. Uh, I I can't swim, actually. I can't. What? I mean, I I can, okay. I think I can swim to save my life. Yes, my parents put me through classes and tried to teach me how to swim as a kid. But I'd say that the six-foot deep side of the pool is too deep for me. Let's just keep it leaving at that. (laughs) Marvin Gaye, Aretha Franklin, Sam Cooke, or James Brown. Who is the GOAT? Wow. Oh, that's so difficult. I hate that term great because they're so great. But if I had to pick one, oh, my goodness. Um, I'll say Aretha. And that's because Aretha stands on the shoulders of James Brown and Sam Cooke and just takes it over the edge and – and, and, and is, is kind of carries their legacy on their, on their backs. What gives you chills every single time? Oh, listening to my mom sing. Your favorite cartoon growing up. <laughs> Captain Planet. <laughs> WB, baby. I told you I'm a 90s baby. What are you afraid or scared of? I'm afraid of um, failure. But for me, failure is not being able to operate in my passion and my gifting. So I'm afraid of um, losing what fulfills me, and that's pursuing my passion in music. Okay, we're we're not we're not the slimmest of guys, so I have to ask. <laughs> Don't play with me, Sean. <laughs> do you like? I am do you like? And handsome. Stop it. Do you like cake or pie more? <laughs> um, I'm a pie guy. What was the name of your first love? The name of my first love. Oh, uh, you're trying to get me in trouble, aren't you? Um, <laughs> uh, growing up, her name was Raven. If you could ring in the new year anywhere in the world, where would you choose? Wow. Um, Singapore, because it looks beautiful. I love the buildings. It's time for the back half with Jonathan Mouton from season 21 of NBC's The Voice Beyond the Mic. Jonathan, how has your battle with cancer changed the way you look at every day? every moment, every single sunrise, a single sunset. Wow. Um, the, the main thing I think that it does is it reshifts my priority. Um, it, it, uh, you know, and I, this is a, a work in progress, but, um, it that fundamentally changes what I think is urgent, what I think is triggering, what I think is immediate and needs my overreaction or to whatever that may be. And it makes me reshift and say, Hey, this isn't stage four cancer. You know, this, this can be, this can be beat. This can be accomplished. So how many years away are you from the cancer free diagnosis? I am. I've just entered into year six. Has your fear gone? 
Oh, a hundred percent. See, uh, um, that's something that's, I, I believe that many cancer survivors, I can speak for myself and many, it's, it's, it's PTSD. I mean, it's something that you psychologically and physically deal with for the duration of your life. And so me, I, you know, being a singer, of course, I have the worst allergies and chronic sinus issues in the world. So, um, and with the fact that my cancer had affected, you know, my lymph nodes and my immune system, it's always in the back of my mind, but I try to reshift my focus and change it to positivity and to healing. Time to get in your head. I need to know about the ghosts in the elevator and hat wigs. Sean, I am a young man. What is the ghost in the hat man? Ghost in the elevator. From your era, sir? No, ghost in the elevator. I was told by a very well-respected source. It's not a ghost in the elevator. How could you? It's childhood trauma. I have been. I was. I am afraid of elevators. I am. I am. I don't. It's not. It's not a ghost, but it is the fact that I was stuck in an elevator going to a doctor's appointment when I was six years old. I don't know how I ended up in there by myself. And, uh, yeah, it has caused me to choose the stairs over the elevator, even still at 30. Chanel was telling me all about you, you telling her about that ghost in the elevator and you making fun of her hat wigs. Oh, but she, she, when we were in the elevator together, I mean, I was kind of forced to ride it at the hotel and I'm forced to ride it at the hotel. She <laughs> had this reaction, like she saw a ghost in the elevator when we were in there, and I had to make fun of her. And yes, I told her she needs to start a line of her own hat wigs. I'm always trolling everybody in the cast. So Now that we brought up Chanel, let's talk about Paris and the rest of the friends from the show. Paris and you had a battle for the ages. Yes. Anyone could have won that battle. Wow. He was praying for you. He told me he prayed for you that someone would use their steel on you. Hell of a friendship you have. Yeah, you know, and why that touches my heart to hear, because that's the exact same feeling I had towards him. You know, Paris and I really approached this battle as two brothers that are getting together and respecting Luther, standing on the shoulders of John Legend, our coach, which is just surreal, who stands on the shoulders of Luther Vandross. And we wanted to make sure that we approach this battle you know, these terms, battles, knockouts, I respect them. They're dynamic. You know, they're they nerve wracking. But in a nutshell, as an artist and as a collaborator and as a creator, I prefer collaboration. Um, you know, I prefer communal, you know, singing and, 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 and co-head engagement. You know, so we approached it like that. We said, hey, bro, we're going to approach this like two singers that are bringing their best to the table and that are feeding off of each other and adding something that is so beautiful, uniquely beautiful. And that even, uh, that even directed how we approached, you know, Ariana joked about our um, vibratos and and the way we blended in our choruses and the frequency, you know, spinning around the same time, almost like witchcraft, right? That was because even outside of rehearsals, we were connecting, we were sharing stories, we were bonding over the love of music. And that's one thing that I love about this opportunity for me is, you know, I'm absolutely into organic connections. You know, I've worked many opportunities and gigs. I've been very fortunate and blessed to have met some of my faves faves and work with some of the most elite in the industry. Um, and this being barn on the top of that. Um, but these, uh, you know, organic connections I formed with people like Wendy Moten, who is one of my best friends, and Jiminy, Wendy's team Blake, and Jiminy's team Kelly, Janora from my team, KJ, um, Paris. It, it, it just, um, those are the type of bonds, and there's a few others that I haven't mentioned just because I'm spurring out names, but those four, those five, those are ones that I want to take with me and be friends with for life. You know, I, 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 uh, 
I'm really grateful. And, and, and the artistry and the music bonds us. And, you know, you hear pop stars talk every day, right? We can only aspire, right? That, you know, certain, like Katy Perry will say, well, you know, me and Taylor Swift are cool again because we're the only two people that can really understand what this feels like. Well, these group of people, Shadell as well, we're the only people that can understand what this feels like. So it's bonded us. How has John Legend changed your perspective on your future? Wow. Um, uh, John Legend, um, you know, it's funny. Like, I thought I knew John Legend in terms of his artistry and his work ethic. But seeing, working with him, you know, I've been a fan for the last 16 years. Working with John Legend, um, it just shows me that, you know, him pouring into us the way he does and did, it, it's like the craft and the, and, and the perfecting of the craft never stops. And it, it's, it's deeper than work ethic. It's deeper than a desire to succeed. It, it's like, hey, if you really love this, go for it. But give it your all and always up the ante and think about ways that you can improve your craft and step into parts of your voice that you didn't even realize were capable. I mean, that man... He, he, he put it, you know, he stuck it to both of us. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. I mean, I, I, that's a bucket list. I said it on stage. It's a bucket list opportunity for me. You got to work with Ed Sheeran. How was that moment for you? It's, it's so, you know, going back to the business hat, going back to the artist hat, I have to, because I'm such a fan of music and like Ed Sheeran and his approach to songwriting and who he's written for and just Ed Sheeran and, and these artists, especially Ed John, they're in like a timeless league of their own of being able to create timeless art, music that is just genre fluid and will be here for a very long time. So the intimidation factor of like, yo, I'm a fan, you know, I had to set that aside and just not fangirl out over these icons and really approach them as these are my peers that are much further along with me. I can only than me and I can only dream. And let me, let me learn from them. Let me, let me gain from them. Ed, um, he's a master. You know, I, I consider myself a songwriter. He's a master lyricist, a master musician and uh, melody creator. And it was a dream, man. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Ed works for Beyonce enough, or works with Beyonce has written for Beyonce enough said. After your time on the show is over, what's the first thing you're taking from this experience? After my time is done with the show, I will be taking um, just the support um, and, and the feeling of, of community that us as artists um, in this show. You know, it, it was extra special because we're competing, but yet we still genuinely, especially with the people I mentioned, found a way to celebrate and connect with each other and have each other's backs. And so I'm taking that with me wherever I go to the next project, to the next opportunity in my personal life. It's like, hey, we have to celebrate each other as, as human beings and as artists. It's time for one big question with Jonathan Mouton beyond the mic. Jonathan, if you could have one more moment with your peepaw, what would you do? Uh, are you going to try to make me emotional here, aren't you, Sean? I'll see what you're doing. Um, I would... I would sing with him because he is where the musicality comes from on my mom's side. He was, he taught himself to play organ, taught himself to play piano. He was a Baptist preacher. Um, so yeah, we would sing. What would you sing? Well, he has this one song that he loves to sing. And it's like, I know I, I know I've been changed. The angels in the heaven have signed my name. He can't swim. 
listening to his mama sing gives him goosebumps and he can't go without his Captain Planet. We thank from season 21 of NBC's The Voice, Jonathan Mouton, for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you, Sean. Thank you so much. And that, my friends, is Beyond the Mic. <laughs>